Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright bullies from pulling the wool on us. Fating and taking on all the plate to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and do their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. As a reminder, if you haven't yet, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash techdirt. Uh, just a few weeks ago, we put up our first backers-only podcast there, and it was a lot of fun. So go check it out. On to today's topic. I guess it's something of a running joke here on the podcast that we'll start to go off on a tangent during one of our podcasts and note that we should cover whatever tangent that is on another podcast and then of course we rarely if ever get a chance to actually go back and revisit that topic uh, but this one uh, is one that I think is worth revisiting and putting on center stage uh, even if we've mentioned it here or there and, and maybe started to go down that tangent path a few times and it's the question of pharmaceutical patents drug patents I know that plenty of people in the tech and software industry seem to take the line that patents don't make sense for things like software uh, and possibly some hardware technology. And thus, you know, we could just say dump software patents. But they'll often say, you know, or make the argument that patents in areas like pharmaceuticals do make sense and they're happy to leave those in place. Now, as we've discussed, there are certain problems with this. And that starts with the idea that, idea that if you separate out regular tech patents from drug patents, you lose the counterbalance in the policy debates. So you'll likely see unopposed lobbying for much longer and much more onerous drug patents. But I think there's more to it than that. The simplest argument for that people make for why drug patents make sense, where regular tech patents maybe don't, is that the upfront capital expenditure for a drug is so high, while the ability to copy the final product is so low, that some form of protection is needed. To me, this doesn't hold up to much scrutiny for a variety of reasons. For example, even if that's true, then it suggests that the second, third, fourth, and so on players in that same market who are just slightly behind the first to the patent office still have to do you know, pretty much the same capital expenditure up front and don't get any of the, the rewards. So if your argument is that no one will spend without the reward of a monopoly, that argument seems to fail because anyone who's not first still does the spend but gets zero reward. More importantly, it's useful to dig into just what that capital expenditure really entails. Uh, there's a book from a few years ago, it's a little bit old now, um, and maybe a little bit out of date called the $800 million pill, which breaks down, um, you know, what that upfront expenditure is, noting that most primary drugs research actually tends to come from smaller firms or university labs, rather than the big pharmaceutical companies. And that research is often actually funded by the government. The big pharma companies only tend to come in later and buy them up once they have seen something promising out of those other labs. Also, the major expense in that upfront capital expenditure is really the clinical trials. And no one seems to bother to look into why those are so expensive. And if there might be a better way to do those that aren't so expensive, um, that, doesn't, you know, that, that doesn't also entail giving a huge monopoly uh, to the drug companies. Finally, there's a long history of drug companies playing games with their drugs and with their patents in order to extend the power and ability to use that monopoly, including doing things like making minor changes just to update the life of the monopoly power and even doing things like pulling uh, an existing drug off the market before it goes off patent effectively to force people onto a newer but effectively the same drug with a much longer patent term. Um, or literally paying off doctors to pre prescribe certain uh, on-patent drugs. Or, you know, what I think the worst example we saw and, and wrote about a few times is the so-called pay-to-delay programs in which major pharmaceutical companies would sue smaller generic manufacturers um, for making off-patent drugs 
where they would then quickly reach some sort of settlement and the settlement would be the big pharma company effectively paying money to the smaller company not to compete in the marketplace for a few years, effectively extending the life of the patent even if the patent itself has expired. So today I wanted to specifically discuss uh, the fact that even in the pharmaceutical space uh, where some people think patents are valid, um, there are some serious problems with the patents. And for this conversation, we've got our usual co-hosts back again, Dennis Yang and Hirsch Reddy. And I'm going to put Dennis on the spot since Dennis, <laughs> I know that, that you have defended drug patents to me in the past. Uh, so go yeah. ahead. I, I had the opening. You, you now you, tell me why they make sense. So, so just to be fair, I, th I feel like you also in the, in the past have defended drug patents. I, um, you know, you did kind of hold the line of patents are bad. Well, except except in the case of pharma, where it's complicated. I, I don't think right? I've so, ever said that. I, I, I anyway, no, I, so. I, I've, I, my <laughs> argument, my argument. Let's be yeah. fair. My argument is 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 not even that patents are bad, but but mm -hmm. that you know patents are are easily abused, and we should we should look over the entire system to figure out how how they should work. And and I've actually been pretty careful about not separating them out into into different categories, because I think we run into a bunch of the problems like the ones I described. Right. So I don't I don't okay. think you'll find okay. me so saying that pharmaceutical may, patents. Maybe are, I misheard okay. in one of our because because <laughs> we you know we do touch upon this subject once in a while. Sure. Um, and and basically, I guess you know, full disclosure, like you know, my my bunch of my family works in pharma, so I've been kind of indoctrinated <laughs> with, uh, for better or worse, you know, the the case for pharma patents. Um, you know, we we've had actually had a few rousing debates around the dinner table over the past years, um, <laughs> and and I think it comes down to this, which is basically pharma is. It, th there's one big reason why pharma is different than, than say, like software, um, and that really is this the FDA approval process, right? Mm -hmm. So so basically, like, th the way I look at it is this. Is essentially, we are asking the a pharmaceutical company to go through this process, which is like, prove that your drug is you know, effective and mm -hmm. prove that your drug doesn't kill people, right? Um, and essentially, to do this, uh, it's, it's actually a very, very involved process, right, to be able to do this. And, and we can debate whether or not the 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 approval process is too arduous or or actually even effective or not that's maybe a separate separate case but it's a, it takes a long time right it takes years to get basically a, a a compound or a drug from the beginning of the approval process through the end of the approval process right um and that makes it really expensive right so and the way i look at it is like look if we are going to require a company to do all this work right in order to put it out there because because what they could do is basically say like, hey, I think this drug is good for you know migraines. Um, throw it out there. So let let the market sort it out, right? And people will take it. And if they if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And if people die, then they won't buy it anymore, right? Like, and <laughs> and you could you could let the free market sort it out. The dead people they came yeah. up what seven minutes into the podcast. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and so, but 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 we don't right. Like we don't want we don't want to <laughs> live in an era of snake oil. We want to we want to try at least to come, you know, to when a drug hits the market with FDA approval, um, the consumers want to have reasonable expectation that it's effective, it does what it does, and it doesn't kill them. And I right. think, to me, that exchange, uh, saying, okay, I agree to do all this testing, I agree to make sure that it's effective, I agree that, you know, I mean, they're testing, for example, that every, you make a million pills, like the the, the first pill is the same as the millionth pill that comes off the line. They're testing mm -hmm. a whole bunch of different things. Um, and, and to do that and to, and to process, you know, adhere to that process, um, you're kind of granted a monopoly for a little while to recoup your costs on doing this process and in exchange for making this drug and also going through all these hoops. I mean, to me, that feels, that feels, like, it feels like a fair exchange. Like we, we as a society want effective drugs that are thoroughly tested um, and and it feels like a, a reasonable trade that a drug company will be able to make, right? And I think that the problem is that people now are like, you know, this drug only costs, you know, a nickel to make, yet it sells for $500 a pill. And you're, you're, you're missing the fact that all of this other, all this additional work, all these hoops have been required of the drug companies to do um, before that pill can even be made for a nickel, right? And I think, mm -hmm. and I think that that's, and then the other complicated thing, of course, is that, you know, eventually 
in this argument, someone's going to say, you know, but you can't put a price on life, you know, that kind of <laughs> thing. So, um, and I, and I'm I, and not going to go there. I know, and I and I think that, but it, it definitely tugs at the heartstrings when people uh-huh. um, are looking at at drug prices and um, and they're they're realizing that the reason why a drug costs so much is because there is a government granted monopoly that no other company can make it for you know for 20 years from the patent from the time the patent is actually filed. Um, and I, I think that it it stirs up emotions, and I think that that's. That's why I think drug pa- drug patents, the whole drug industry in, in general, de- definitely seems to be vilified when it comes to drug patents. Um, so I mean, I don't know. Does that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I is mean, that a fair like I fair mean, assessment? I mean, um, you you effectively went to to one of the things in the list, which was like you know the upfront costs make it make it worthwhile. And so I, I'm going to respond to that, but but I want to bring Hirsch in first because I have no idea where Hirsch stands on this. So <laughs> so. I want to see what, um, what you have to say and who you side with, or if yeah. you have some some totally different perspective. Well, before I say who I side with, I think it makes <laughs> sense to to think about sort of the economic framework um, that sort of justifies a patent uh, a patent system instead of sort of top down uh, organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if we so the things that. Uh, Dennis was talking about, hey, there's all this upfront cost for sort of figuring out what drug, you know, whether drugs are safe or not, and there's marketing that needs to be done, there needs to be, you know, quality control on the line, etc. All those things could be, uh, the cost could be substantially reduced if the government got involved, right? Even if gov- the government does not get involved in drug discovery, mm-hmm. the government could get involved in that and they could for example say fda testing is going to be free and and we will run the trials under some government agency blah right. blah blah right the issue there is um with a lot of things is america has a strong bias towards having decisions being made by people who have skin in the game and if we had a FDA rule where basically the FDA runs these uh, these studies, these safety studies, and bears the brunt of the costs, then it would be bureaucrats essentially making the decision of what drugs get to go into this process, right? And if there's no cost, the people who are submitting drugs into the process really have no skin in the game. They, people will just be submitting lots of drugs and then what makes, you know, who makes the decision about where the government's limited resources for drug testing, where where should they be put? That becomes a very difficult thing. Sure. Um, it, we see similar debates in many different areas. One of the curious things I think about pharma is that the same people that would make the argument um, for, let's say, decentralization of decision-making, which is what the patent system essentially enables you to do, right? It, it enables lots of different players to bring capital to bear, to make these decisions. And the way mm-hmm. it does that is by granting a monopoly so they can recoup their investment. In a, in a system without intellectual property rights, um, you couldn't recoup such a huge investment because, of course, there'd be the free rider problem. And, the, and I mean, or there, there may be other ways to recoup it, but it's yeah, a, diff- it's a it different issue. It would be issue. much smaller, right? You wouldn't get the same amount of capital. Right. You, 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 don't have a, you don't have a monopoly control, so, so you couldn't yeah. recoup it, it probably as quickly or in the same way. Right. And in some cases, you probably wouldn't be able to recoup. That's fair yeah. And so if you think about it in that framework then, right, um, one, a lot of the arguments people make against pharma patents uh, and let's say even software patents are around sort of these edge cases of not – I won't call them edge cases because as you know, my, my opinion on the, on the software patent side, is, you know, I, I, I like to say that the, that the inefficiencies are not an edge case. They're like the main case. And right. The, the innovation is the, really the edge case. But in the case of pharma – I don't know it as well. I don't know the economics of it as well. Uh, and I'm, I, I'm not talking to defendants and, and plaintiffs all the time. So mm-hmm. I don't know uh, how many of these type of litigations in the pharma space are really things that uh, drug developers would say, oh, yeah, this is the assertion of a really good patent. And clearly this is an assertion after a real investment was made, right? Uh as opposed to, hey, this is ju- these are just nuisance lawsuits that win in the Eastern District of Texas because plaintiffs always just win in the Eastern District of Texas. It's hard for me to say that, but if we, if you, if you think about it in this framework, really what we're asking is the question: um, Do the costs of the patent system uh, are they small enough so that the benefits, which is which is this decentralized decision making? Uh, it's worth it, right? Is it worth mm-hmm. it to make things decentralized? Because then sometimes the costs are so high that it doesn't make sense to 
decentralized things and you just give it to a government agency to do it right and by the way a government agency will often have well you know maybe not immediately but after years of being an institution you know decades decades later it can become much worse than a patent system right there's a lot of uh dead weight in the patent system right uh, mm-hmm. but which is all these like sort of worthless litigation or you can even you can even see the profits of pharma companies as kind of a dead weight right uh if their if their profits ideally you want their profits to be zero they're just doing the activity with right. very I mean, just meeting their costs economically yeah. speaking yeah. yeah exactly economically speaking highly profitable pharma companies are a dead weight on the system mm-hmm. um the, or the profits, I shouldn't say the, the rest right. of the operations that that match that meet their costs is of course not dead weight, but in a government agencies often have much more dead weight, huge right. bureaucracies. They don't fire people that don't work. You know, you have all these agencies. Well, they just focus on the wrong things, yeah, or exactly. just do, do it inefficiently. Sure, right. sure. And right. and if you if you really really ask me, like if, if America had a completely government run, like non profit uh, motive pharma yeah, pharma yeah. system, if, right? if, would it, yeah, would it run the, better? Well, the real question to ask is if we had a nonprofit sort of mm-hmm. pharma system, would we really have gotten the kinds of um, rapid innovation and drug discovery that we're seeing now? Or, you know, I, I, I mean, some people would probably argue yes. Some would argue no. I, I think I would be on some, the no some, side. Some would argue whether or not we're really seeing rapid drug discovery right now. But that's that's a different. I, I mean, look. There's always a question of pace, but I mean, if you if you look at the rate that startup companies are making advances in sort of genetic medicines, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's hard to argue that there's no advances being made or that the pace advance is slow. It's just I think we're really on the cusp of some really probably revolutionary changes in the way that we actually do drug discovery, right? Uh, yeah, or I, mean, I should call them just like treatments. Right? Certainly, certainly, yeah, certainly there's potential there. I mean, but if you do look at like what the big pharma companies have more or less said and admitted over the last few years, it's that, you know, drug discovery rates have gone down and that their pipeline of actually new drugs coming to market is is growing slower and slower and they're worried about their old drugs going off patent and how it's going to, you know, their profits are going to shrink. So... There's some concern there. Now, you're right that there have been, you know, from new areas and sort of, you know, biotech and um, other areas, we're starting to see new forms of, of discovery and things happening. Um, but, you know, sort of the traditional the traditional way in which drugs are discovered, I don't know if that's happening quite as, as quickly or as... Um, uh, I mean, so is that a problem of the current system? Is that the problem of the patent system? I, I'm, I'm not saying one way yeah. or the other. I'm just... Well, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, I, I mean, the patent system is what is a way in which you can achieve sort of decentralization of, of these kinds of investments and decision making, right? Right. It's it's just one tool to do that. There might be other ways of doing. it. The other it. way I would mean, be like to do a top down directed, like we need to go work on these drugs because of this reason, right? Is that true? I mean, that's that's one I way to do it. Right? I, I mean, I'm we, saying that there there may be other options too, but that's definitely one way. We yeah. discussed in other podcasts other methods of sort of. Funding, uh, prioritizing research. research, yeah. Uh, and there was things like prizes and things yeah. like that that we discussed. And I don't want to rehash all of those. There's certainly other proposals, but mm-hmm. as with any of these things, we don't really know the downsides of, of large-scale use of such systems because no one has really done that at a large scale, at an industrial scale. Right. At, at I mean, have, have we seen, is, is there a system that we can point to? Um, aside from the profit-driven pharmaceutical, you know, patent-based system that we think would work better, like how would it work better? Um, is what I, mean, I would say. Like, if 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 drug patents are a bad idea, like what would be the other way to do it? I mean, or certainly. Is it, is it that I mean, twenty years is too long, or you know, like what 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 is it about the patent well, like, system? It, it wouldn't be fair to say if it wouldn't be fair to say that you know that you know government or. Uh, or uh, or sort of consortia-driven, mm-hmm. uh, large-scale research projects uh, don't yield results. They definitely do. I mean, you see, you see that in what happened in Japan. Um, you know, in the early days of their post-war period, uh, where they where they there was you know sort of government-directed research in lots of strategic areas uh, to help prop up the Japanese industry, and that certainly mm-hmm. paid dividends. It wasn't pharma, but but uh, certainly. Um, in other areas like electronics and also if you want to talk about pharma specifically i mean certainly uh the genesis of a lot of the big pharma companies that are here now that are operating now really is from sort of the 
pre-war period, I mm-hmm. mean, World War II, there's a lot of these big German companies, these chemical companies, and there was even pharma companies in Switzerland and stuff. Right. And, and you're, you're, you're like setting up the layup for me here. <laughs> okay, yeah. But, and, and, and those were very much kind of state-directed. Yeah. But I, I would but, say one thing. Before you, you know, I, 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 well, I won't anticipate what you're going to say. Okay. Uh, it, it, it looked very much like sort of state development because there were just a few entities. Uh-huh. They, they, were, they were more sort of, uh, instead of competing, they were more like, oh, what's that term? Uh, uh, co-op? Beating or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know what that munch is, but where competition, competition. There you yeah. go. Uh, and and it, so it was kind of a cozy relationship, um, but certainly they had they definitely had some uh, big successes, and these were mostly kind of top down types of uh, you know mm-hmm. the goals were sort of determined top down. Yeah, um, and it ha- and you know what it had all of this sort of ills slowly developing that we come to you know uh, that we sort of become familiar with in any kind of sort of state or kind of cozy industrial state cooperation si- uh, situation right where where um yeah I, I mean so that's not entirely true right so so you're right that that most of the, the big companies sort of came from that world and if you actually go back and you look at the history um most of them developed in a time when there weren't patents or there weren't patents for um, you know, chemical and dyes, which is what, what most of those companies came out of. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's the, the book that I certainly, you know, have touted before and will tout again is is the Industrialization Without National Patents, which I think was a PhD thesis, which, um, you know, kind of went through. That one looked at Switzerland um, and the Netherlands. It didn't look at Germany, though the situation in Germany was fairly similar. There was a period of time in which, um, you couldn't really enforce patents there. Mm-hmm. And we saw a lot of those firms grow up and, you know, start to come about and, and start to build their reputations and build their product lists because of that, you know, and that at that time in the chemical and dye space, it was only after they started to become large that they, they were the ones who started pushing for patent systems, which was effectively a way to pull up the ladder behind them no, but and block new competition no, from I coming think- in. I think that's a bad reading of history for one reason. <laughs> and the reason it is is because in those early days, if you look at the entities um, that were there, there weren't as many players able to do the things. Uh, and, right? no, I mean, so, if you look, so they, if you look had, at no, 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 because if you look at how many companies were there at the time, like go back and look, like go, I'll give you the copy of the book if you want it. There were a lot of companies. There was actually a fairly large amount of competition. It's only after you had patents that you began to have the consolidation, and the you know some companies start buying up the rest, and then you have you know a few giant conglomerates who are left over because they have all the patents, and then they can deal with the system. Yeah, but so I you have less you're, competition. You're confusing two different periods of time then right <laughs> there's a very early period when people first started doing sort of bulk manufacturing of, of, of not just pharma but like as you said bulk industrial chemicals uh-huh. for multiple uses right and in those very early days when there was no patents it really was kind of the founders of these companies and their sort of coteries of like very highly skilled engineers and scientists are the ones who kind of held the almost like trade secret, the know-how on how to build these plants. Mm -hmm. And as the first generation of those developers, those pioneers kind of spread the knowledge to their workers, those workers in turn went out and started forming competing firms. In that second generation, yes, there was a lot of competition and stuff to make these sort of precursor drugs, but people weren't making sort of, you know, 20, 30-year sort of uh, long-term research projects in sort of in and and not feeling the cost of people copying it it was because by the time that you saw that first generation of long-term investments come to market that was pretty much the time people started asking for patents and why did they ask for patents because they saw the the fact that they would do this huge amount of investment and everyone was just able to copy it and so everybody in the industry was like okay now it sort of makes sense to have patents because otherwise everyone's just going to copy you, it's it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair to say that that like everybody was kind of. Uh, it was kind of a very fresh new change in society. Sure. Like doing and and so people didn't the people themselves investing and operating in the business 
did not understand the dynamics of of the market themselves of like how much competition um, was going to erode their own profits. I don't know. I mean, but 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 couldn't I mean you can make that argument for any industry, right? I mean, you no, know, I, like so so talk about talk about the software industry and people were, you know, trying, you know, 15 20 years ago investing in a- AI. You could argue that, that was, you know, it was really a 20 30 year research project to get AI out there. Like mm-hmm. should we have been giving you know, give, give, giving out patents in AI in the 1980s when people were talking about it, just so that they could have 20 years to research and, and actually well, get AI. I think I think I think you have to sort of think about what the um, where the research comes from and whether it requires um, a, a a monopoly to reward the researchers. So in so, the case of yeah. AI, I don't think I don't you know you you, you don't have to build a whole factory, right? <laughs> And and I, arguably, you know, for drugs, that's also the case. You don't have to build a whole factory, but it's certainly much more. No, but it's uh, it's much more expensive to it, to monetize your your business, right? Like, there's a lot more infrastructure. There's a lot more testing. Like all of that. Right. Again, it's pretty big, right? Right. And, but, 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 not, but it's also, you know, to some extent, I'm playing devil's advocate here, yeah. right, Mike, because I'm, I'm pretty averse to patents in the general case. But, <laughs> but to, 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 I've to, got to, you sort, to argue in favor of patents. Yeah, that's right. Sort of, <laughs> so, here, so here's the thing, right? If, if I mean, as a general rule, let, let's. I, my general philosophy on these things is: don't put in too much regulation, uh-huh. uh, including patents, in a space where you don't understand the full uh, the full effects of the regulation, right? And what are the if you were to examine sort of the pharma industry and the costs of not having the regulation, the costs of not sort of regulating copying that's essentially what patents is right you're trying to regulate the copying of things um, the cost of regulating the copying of things is it's, it's very costly because what is a copy who you know who made the original all these right. things are essentially what what the that that's what the substance of patent law is really about right when you're regulating copying how do you how do you determine who the originator is and what it really copies I mean this is where the costs come in and sometimes you're gonna get the that that sort of decision wrong and that's when mm-hmm. you sort of have injustice right um, when, when does it make sense to do that when does it make sense to sort of start regulating copying it starts making sense to regulate copying I think when the people who are sort of going to be sort of uh, in that market for that thing that is being copied mm-hmm. sort of ask for that themselves right? ask for what the ask copy for, ask for, for their it. for that regulation for their own industry to be regulated in that way Wait, 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 uh, wait, 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 wait. I don't, I don't think. I'm not sure I follow. Yeah. Go, go back. Explain. So, so, if you look at when the 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 sort of the chemical industry sort of started asking for these patents, mm-hmm. I think it was the consortiums themselves, right? The major participants sure. in the market that asked for this. Now, you could, you could, you could say that there's, there was, there's two, there's two ways you could look at that. And one way would frame it as they were unjustified in asking for it, yes. and in another way you Wait, could who say is they, they in the situation. So the, the pharmaceutical the, the, the pharmaceutical companies, the, 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 I would the chemical the, chemical and yeah, exactly the, the big. Chemical so they asked companies. to be regulated. They, well, I mean, it's you know, it's not clear, not entirely clear, but they were they were certainly supportive of moving to a system of patents to basically protect their existing businesses. But yeah. Right. So, so one way you could look at it is to say that, hey, there was these, like, I think the way you framed it, which is uh, a company's <laughs> pulling up the ladder behind them, right. which is to say that there were these large uh, uh, chemical manufacturers who had a huge amount of, of, of existing capital investment in the space. Like you could call them like these captains of industry, right, mm-hmm. For, of the chemical industry. And they saw all these upstarts coming from smaller towns, from other regions, even from other countries, sort of replicating their success and making sort of coming up and, and barking on their heels uh, by sort of uh, copying their most popular and profitable products, right? So they saw this and they had other drugs or chemicals in the works and they thought we want to protect these from the same kind of competition. So you can, say, you can, you can frame it in that way and say that, well, that was unjust. But another way you could look at it, and I don't know which way the history really went, another way you could look at it is that the major participants in the industry, those who represented probably most of the capital being invested in that industry, at that moment in time, said, look, we are all competitors, but when it comes to this, we think we won't make advances unless we put these rules of the road in place, right? And if we don't put these rules of the road in place, this industry will stagnate and it'll be worse for all of us. So let's make these rules that kind of bind all of us. It's sort of like what they do in sort of the banking industry, right? When a bunch of banks get together and they make certain rules 
uh, mm-hmm. for themselves, even in the absence of governments. Or I'm trying to think of a better way to think of it. Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, almost all of, of those situations, you can point to examples of how that's they're anti-competitive. But that's no. They, I think they. <laughs> I think there is the threat. Sure, sure. I'm not naive. The sort of self-regulation aspect. There is always a threat that these kinds of consortia will create regulations that essentially uh, essentially price fix in a way, right? Like yeah. Boost their profits at the expense of other industrial sectors. And also, um, you know, figure out ways yeah. to, uh, to effectively to, to keep out competition. Yeah. Keep out competition, right. Um, it, and that's the view I'm actually sympathetic to, which is why I'm against patents. But if I'm making this other argument, <laughs> then then that would be my argument. My first part okay. of the argument would be it. But um, yeah, I, I I I tend to think that people you know overvalue so, the the um, overvalue the importance of the recouping mm-hmm. of the investments made for research. I think people really think it's super critical. But I think there's a lot there's a lot of evidence to show that even in places where there are no kind of artificial means like patents or or you know or copyrights to sort of recoup the original investment, uh, which is what those things are, right? I mean, right. Those, those, regu- those those regulations controlling copyright right. they're artificial. Made. Yeah, they, yeah, they're made so that you can recoup your investment. And I, I really think, and even in the absence of that, you will you you still get a lot of the economic activity. Yeah, absolutely. And, and but it no, will and I, be transformed. That, but, but I guess we don't know how much. Right? Like, yeah. We don't know how much and it will be transformed. You you might yeah. actually have a chemical sector and a drug sector that which is of the same size, but they may develop drugs for different types of ailments, for sure. different customers. Sure. Uh, and and, of course they and would. those and those who are getting the treatment now may not not in, in that universe and those who are not being treated now may get treated in this other universe it's it's yeah, a and huge I, change and i think that i mean we you know we could have an alternative universe where like right now like the top drugs make somewhere like i don't know like eight, nine ten billion dollars a year for each each one of the top drugs right mm-hmm. so maybe in a world without drug patents we would have a lot more drugs such that like you wouldn't even spend time bothering copying someone else's drugs because you had plenty of drugs to make yourself, right? You could, you would basically have more opportunities to find spaces within the market, right? And I, and I could see, I guess, like I could potentially see a scenario where, where that happens, right? Um, I mean, but I mean, that's that's the thing, right? I mean, when you have a competitive market, you have incentives to differentiate, and and you can differentiate in a different way. You can make a better product. You can target a different market. You can, you know, figure right. out a process that makes things cheaper. All, all different ways to differentiate, right? I suspect in a world where there's no patents. And where you still need significant amount of research uh, and development to make effective, safe drugs, I think inevitably what would happen is um, uh, instead of sending drugs to the patient to treat them, people mm-hmm. would go to where their drugs are being developed. There would be these kind of closed-off, trade secret gar- guarded kind of institutions that, right, that I, have have a holistic treatment that includes certain therapeutics as well as other kinds of sort of doctor guided treatment and you wouldn't know which part right. is which in terms of getting you the cure you would go to have your cancer treatment you would go and live in a place for two years to yeah, and i actually think cancer. that that's a really so that that was one more point that um i forgot to mention which is you know you can't we're, we're not allowed to keep a drug as a trade secret right um in order for it to be fda approved you have to say exactly yeah. what the chemical compound I mean, is that's, and that's, by doing so right like you're you're not yeah. allowed to like you can't do that and I think yeah. that that's also a trade-off. It's like, okay, if you are forcing me to tell you what my compound is, yeah. um, and forcing me how how like to disclose essentially how to make this drug, right. then I think it's a fair trade. See, to yeah, be I mean, that twenty-year monopoly. Sure, sure. That, that's the disclosure argument. Lots of people make that. Lots of people make it all across the patent system. But you know, in the in the pharma industry, no, but, but I mean, the, the you can usually reverse engineer what's there. I mean, and the patent itself, yes you know, on, no. the co- on the compound doesn't reveal the actual process of making it, which is often more of where the, you know, secret sauce is. So I mean, yes, yes, and no. Definitely in the case of biologics, that you know, that's definitely the case. But like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I think, you know, who knows what other compounds are are sitting, you know, that you could be able to kind of like mix together. Like, I don't like. And I think that that's the, the difference between patents in the other industries is like, we're, like I'm not forced as a, say I'm like a widget, like a maker of some sort of product and I want to keep it my trade secret. Like I'm, the government is not compelling me to disclose, you know, anything about my product if I want to maintain it as a trade secret. And if the government is going to compel me to do that, then I, then I feel like it's a fair trade to give me a monopoly, at least for 20 years, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, Dennis, look, in an alternative world like that, you probably, I mean, we're not talking, the people that have the drugs would not be compelled to do that, right? I mean, this, this thing about com- being, you being compelled to say the formula, I mean, right. this is just a construct of the current system. And right? if, we're, if we're okay, right, the, the trade-off is if we're okay with saying, like, Dennis's cancer clinic um, is wonderful for cancer, come and hang with me for two months and you'll be cancer-free, and I'm allowed to just do all that, and there's no, you know, real regulation, there's, I, I'm not, I don't have to prove that I'm actually effective, we can let the market sort it out, like, that's you know that's how that scenario would kind of feel and look look and feel like you know and I do believe like snake oil was a thing at one point and you know that may or may not I don't I'm actually not familiar with the exact origins of the FDA like where that all came about but um, I'm imagining like that that had to do something with it is that like false claims false products um, sure and th- there's always concerns about like unsafe things or false claims or you know overselling stuff I mean we still have that today in areas that aren't regulated by the FDA right. But, you know, there is there is a, a, an argument that the FDA certainly goes too far uh, in terms of how they do some of these things. And, and you know, I mean, you look at critics of, um, you know, like there were the AIDS activists not too long ago who were critics of how slow the FDA was in, proving, in approving certain drugs um, to treat HIV. And, right. you know, there... You know, we're in this system now where for for fairly obvious reasons and, and totally understandable reasons, like, you know, there's, you know, people want to go through this FDA process to sort of prove that something is safe and effective. And like, and that makes sense. But, but yeah, and I don't think any, no one is saying that if we could make that process of figuring out safety and, and efficacy more like more quickly. Like, of course, that's a better thing, right? Like, and I think well, that... <laughs> there's a pretty no? big industry that's built up around... About, about around making it slow? Clinical. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, like, but not around... The industry isn't built around making that process go slow. No, 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 right? no. Well, I mean, just profiting off of the clinical trial process. But no, I, but I think that, like, you know, it's one of these situations where... And, and, it's, and it's a weird area because it's healthcare and because it's safety, which, right. you know, is important, but like with anything, there's trade-offs, right? And, and so, you know, is it, is it worth say, for example, hypothetically, yeah. and I'm not saying this is a good thing. I'm just posing the hypothetical for the sake of the discussion. Mm-hmm. You know, if, you know, a whole bunch of people die because the FDA takes 15 years to approve a drug that could have saved people say it could have you know saved people 10 15 years ago is that is that a reasonable trade-off and some people argue yes but other people argue there's got to be a better way to handle right. that i mean that was all the, that was the whole argument you know when the aids epidemic was hitting was like mm-hmm. you know it, the the slowness with which the fda was taking to approve those drugs didn't really matter because the drugs that killed people more quickly or doesn't really you know they were just like people are dying they need right. to they need these drugs let's just kind of try them and i think that you know, people were getting into clinical trials, but yeah, I mean, when when people are dying and time is of the essence, then the standard FDA process did did did, did seem to kind of break down because it's like you don't have to figure out if it kills people. Well, <laughs> that see, much. The if, they're thing, dying if they're dying the thing, anyway. The thing about regulations is they don't they don't evolve as quickly as the market, right? And they don't evolve as quickly as sort of the technology. And so, um, the, you know, the FDA is something that you know came into effect basically somewhere. In the early 1900s, right, um, and they at that time they were, you know, they were trying the the types of things that they were worried about are very, were very different class of problems than what we have now, right? Sure. But over the years, they sort of developed these, you know, by the 30s and stuff like that, they were already trying to start regulating um, things like medical devices and and pharma, like in sort of the modern sense, right? Uh, but that pharma, in the quote unquote modern sense, is very different from like what people do now for medical treatments, right? Sure. But they've had they've had to sort of evolve these rules. And, um, you know, just like the FCC trying to regulate the Internet using sort of, te- uh, you know, telecom rules uh, that were made for sort of telephones and cable, you know, similarly, there's going to be some mismatches. And the the thing is, is, is if you take the very, very sort of long view on this, 
I, I think very much kind of, I, I think the way the Democrats would look at this, I, you know, I, I hate to use sort of party identifiers, here, but, I, but I think it's kind of apt here. I think that the way that where this goes, I, I think the way the Democrats look at this is that we, uh, bad regulation is okay because the effects only stick around for a small amount of time. And then, you know, Congress gets around to sort of amending the laws or the agency itself does it through administrative law and they change the rules and they make it match what the situation actually is. Okay. But I think I think the other argument that the Republicans might make is that, and I don't know if they've articulated it in this form, is is that this historical process, which may have worked in the past, and that even that's arguable, definitely doesn't work now because industries are changing so quickly that even if we try to make these new common sense rules and changes on how we would. If, for example, let's say we, we, we decide, okay, the FDA process needs to be made, be made cheaper for these pharma companies, but we still need to have safety, by the way. So we would change, tweak the rules in this and this way so that it will be better matched to the types of drugs and the type of risks that are now in the market. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we make those changes, and, but it takes five or six years to do that because that's how slow our legislative process is. Well, by the time we've done that, well, the decade has moved on and now it's a completely different thing. So the rules are again behind the times, right? And y- you keep essentially making these changes, but they're all just a, you know, a, a minute too late. You know, or I should say a decade too late. You're, you're, and you, need, you really needed the regulations at the start of each of these revolutions, but they really only come about at the end of these revolutions, right when the revolutions in technology are getting winding down and being replaced by their successor revolutions, mm-hmm. right? So I, I feel like, for example, by the time uh, Congress gets around to sort of figuring out how terrestrial ISP, IP, uh, ISPs should sort of behave uh, with their customers and how they should protect their privacy, blah, 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 they'll eventually work it out. It'll be just in time for everything to become decentralized anyways and there to be sort of these darknet mesh networks and we'll have some <laughs> other concerns, completely different. Sure. And these, and then they'll try to apply those old-fashioned rules that no longer fit the new world to the to the next rule. And and that will just keep happening. So, so what, How are you tying this all together? I, I love the where, fact that there's, a, there's yeah. a podcast about, about pharm, uh, pharmaceutical patents and you've brought in net neutrality and, and telecom rules. So <laughs> keep uh, no, going. But I'm just saying, it's, it's just the thing about regulation, right? Sure. So, so what, what do you – so how would you sort of uh, – how can you tie this together and sort of make it so that you have the best type of uh, outcome for, for sort right. of – for, for people. And on this, I'm, I'm actually more on the libertarian side, which is to say that the government actually can't keep you as safe as you think it, it can. Or mm-hmm. w- if it does keep you safe, it does that at the cost of extreme stagnation, right? So people really have to kind of be responsible for themselves. So Dennis is like very afraid of sort of the snake oil, you know, type of a marketplace where there's a lot of snake oil right. and charms and stuff that just are not effective and can hurt people. Yeah, like well, thalidomide I, I, for the babies. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, there were a lot of, you know, there was hundreds of people that died due to these like bad drugs in the early 1900s. That's probably why the FDA came about in the first place, right? There were probably lots of people that got killed. And uh, the thing you really have to do is like, there's no substitute for educating yourself. And when I say educating yourself, I don't mean everybody has to be a PhD, but you need to be at least be able to find those third parties in the marketplace, whether it be, and I, I call them, those third parties are people like, consumer bureaus right like these these third parties that are in the business of generating good information for consumers to make decisions off of and they have economic incentives to do sure and and you find them and they do that due diligence for you and and you use their information so why yeah so why not focus uh, the instead of focusing the incentives on you know giving the monopolies to the the patent holders why not i mean to the to the pharmaceutical why not you know focus incentives towards the people who are providing the information to determine whether or not these things are safe no, because that's only one part of it, right? You sure. still need the incentive to actually make things. So, I mean, that doesn't. Yeah, I'm not. Doesn't, you, doesn't fall. The, the incentive, I'm, I'm simply, the, the incentive to make things is that people buy it. <laughs> no, no, but look, now you're 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 jumping ten <laughs> steps back in the conversation. I mean, people buy like, it, and the, the whole the whole point was that they, the, the copying, reason we, the copying, we, yeah, is exactly the, the copying issue. It's not that yeah. nobody will people will buy it, but then how does people that, will buy it, and I, and you're yes, you will be able. But to if you can show it, that yours it, your version is more effective, no, but it's not. Here's the no, thing. So it is. So I'm going to say my my version is as effective as yours because it's an exact copy. Then what? I mean, if you look at the look at the no, market, I'm for, asking you. Like, yeah, yeah like, I know. Yeah. So I'm saying, look at the market for for brand name drugs versus generics, and the brand name drugs still charge like yeah, three to do, four x what do the better, generics are. Right. Yes. 
Yeah. And so people are willing to buy the, you know, the the recognized name and they're willing to but pay But that's because they also had they had a they had, you know, Fair usually enough. around they, 12 they years had, to establish they had, that they brand. Had, they yeah. had time to establish that well, brand. Well, I think that's the, true, but yeah. the bigger thing to really ask in, in that situation uh, uh, is if you were in that market and you had capital to spend, right? Masnick, would you want to spend it on the guys who are going to take your capital and lock it up for 30 years or would you rather put your capital on the guys that are going to just make what's effective right now and sell it and get a return as quickly as possible. Yeah, but I, I mean, mean, that what kind of argument? No that's that's an argument for mercantilism, right? I mean, you could argue that, like, sure, if 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 you know somebody was going to tell me there's going to be a sugar monopoly, would I put my money towards a sugar monopoly? Sure, I would because it's a monopoly. They're going to get monopoly returns. Of course, I'm going to invest in that. That's not a good argument for having the monopoly, though, right? No, no, no. But that's that's not right, though, right? Because a sugar monopoly doesn't have any positive externalities <laughs> for society, right? Like, imagine if you said if you said what the real applicable. Your, your question was was about the investment, though. I'm just responding to the no, investment no, but argument. No, but that's the whole point, right? Which is that you want capital to flow on these uh, sure, okay. ventures that are risky. Sure, because it's sure, not 100% sure. you're going to get a return on it. Right. right? That's the point why. But there's no, you're not 100% going to get a return on anything. I mean, that, that's the nature no, of, that's, of risk capital, right? No, I mean, that, it's risk you're capital. The, <laughs> you're making the argument for us. Because essentially what you're saying is like, look, I'm going to... I'm going to fund a bunch of treasure fleets to go out into the ocean, which has lots of storms and sharks, uh-huh. and it's a risky venture, right? And the the way to think about this is, if, if I'm making an argument for a patent system, right? Mm-hmm. The way I'm making the argument is, in, in the non-patent system, when the ship comes back, the sailors that were actually participated in the sailing and the guys who funded the boats, they take the treasure that comes off the boats and they split it amongst themselves and they sell some to the market yeah. and they maybe keep some for themselves. Whatever it is, it's up to them. It's their property. Mm-hmm. Your way of doing it is when the ship comes back to the shore, everyone gets to run on the boat and grab a handful that, that, of whatever that, that, this that, is. That's, that's not what that's I'm That's the equivalent. That's chaos, Masnick. It's the equivalent, right? Right, Well, no, it's not. I'm... I, I, and, and and rather than unwind that, because we're running out of time, I'm going to bring in I'm going to bring in one more factor here because I think it's important to discuss, which is that this is this is this is no matter how you look at it, right, the market the market that we're discussing here is not a free and open market, no matter what, and we've been discussing it as if it was. The fact is, like for most people, they don't pay the list price on their drugs because they have insurance, and insurance is here playing a part, and that's a whole that's, other that's mess. A, that's a whole that's other true. mess. Yeah. And, and and I'm not gonna go. We're not gonna Please start just drop going, this and then. <laughs> no, leave. but I'm 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 bringing that up because that is an issue, and one of the the potential things that that has been discussed when you're talking about like drug patents is like, mm-hmm. you know, could you you know, the incentive if you start looking at the incentives and the incentives of the insurance companies that have you know that have strong incentives to keep their customers healthy and alive and not you know costing them lots of money is you know why couldn't we have a system where those companies are the ones doing the investment in you know pharmaceuticals or other types of therapies to keep people alive and no but that's a whole other yeah no no look Mazik, you've just pushed the the (laughs) the checker from one end of the board to the other but it's the same checker piece (laughs) the thing is is that look you're just changing the name of pharmaceutical company to insurance company or just healthcare no but but i'm but i'm changing i'm changing no 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 no, i'm changing changing the model then right it isn't a different model because another insurance company can copy your therapeutics and offer it to their customers without the cost that you've invested in the research it doesn't change anything at the end of the day the problem is without the monopoly that is granted by a patent is it are you able to recoup the the in a economically reasonable way the investment that you've made to discover the therapeutics in the first place so that's what you really have to tackle it doesn't really matter what you call the entity or what business model is used on the back end to 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 get the money because Everyone who's copying that stuff can copy your business model too if they really need to, if that's really the best way to do it. The only way a business model is applicable in terms of answering that question is if the business model allows you somehow to keep the therapeutic itself secret, which is why we Not were necessarily, discussing this. Not necessarily, right? I mean, if, if you're the one who's, who's most frequently sort of investing in these new treatments and you're the ones that's ahead of the game, that's most often keeping people alive and healthy, isn't that going to be incentive for people to sign up for your insurance plan? Well, it depends what you mean by that. Because, okay, let's say there's two insurance company companies. 
Kaiser invests and is constantly keeping people alive, right? Mm-hmm. And because they're they're investing a ton of money in these like therapeuticals, they're putting billions of dollars into it, and their 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 customers tend to be healthy. Well, let's just say Aetna or a comp- competitor is almost as good as Kaiser. As soon as Kaiser releases a new drug, Aetna brings it to their customers a couple of months later. Mm-hmm. So really, the total difference in health that's that the Aetna's customers actually see is not really sure. appreciable. And Aetna, on the other hand, takes the billions of dollars that, that Kaiser was investing in this research and instead gives it as a dividend to their but, customers. But we so see, the customers have much lower in insurance rates. But we see right? lots of industries where that's, where that's the case, where you see sort of fast followers that are cheaper and, you know, they come, come a few months behind the, the leaders in the field. And yet the leaders in the field charge a premium and they're able to do well. And that's competition. It drives them to continue to innovate. What, what are, are you going to say fashion is one? No, I mean, you know, anything electronics, certainly fashion is definitely there. I mean, there's a whole mm. bunch of these industries where that happens. That's and an they, interesting. They, yeah. Figure out a way to make it work, right? I mean, if you, well, it's possible what you're saying is true. I mean, <laughs> certainly, certainly, people, you know, oh, I'm a, taking a, that as a victory. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you. I mean, you might have something there. It, it, it bears some investigation because human behavior is not a, a purely rational thing, right? Sure. Like people, uh, people don't choose a BMW because it's uh, at twice the cost of a Honda because it's twice as good as a Honda. It's mm-hmm. there's something else at play there. There's also something at play when people buy. Um, you know, a Birkin bag from, uh, is that how you call it? A Birkin yeah, bag yeah. or whatever? I don't good, know even know who makes it. It's a Birkin yeah, bag. You got well, it. But when someone buys that instead of just a Yeah, a but I don't know, I don't if, know. If, if pharma is really, the, the, brand, the brand equation comes into play a little bit there. Um, no, but... But, but it could. I mean, healthcare. Yeah, exactly. Healthcare, you totally could. I mean, yeah, it no, doesn't. I, I think it plays. It it plays no, but Dennis, yes. think about it this way: if you're making the decision of whose healthcare plan to buy, and you, we live in this alternative universe where people who are who go to Kaiser, let's say, sure. get all these great drugs, and sure, everybody else might be getting copy too, and there might not be much appreciable difference between your uh, treatment and under Kaiser or Aetna. But brand-wise, Kaiser always seems to be coming out, and they win these awards from governments for being the ones to bring these therapeutics to market, and they have the brand recognition. When you go to the market to actually buy insurance, are you going to buy the insurance that is, you know, one thousand dollars a year going to Kaiser, or are you going to pay like maybe one hundred fifty or two hundred dollars less and go to Aetna? Uh, just you, I think you you might feel like, man, you know, health is one of those things where. I'll pay the extra $200. I'm not going to skimp on it. And Kaiser takes that extra $200 at the goodwill that they've built up essentially from each customer. And that forms their war chest that they mm-hmm. continuously. I mean, I, I actually uh. am sympathetic to that. It might actually, <laughs> I it might work. Tersh. Human, human psychology <laughs> is a strange thing. And, and you see it operate in that way all the time. I mean, why did, why did people buy American? What was it called? That t-shirt? American, American apparel? apparel. They're plain white t-shirts. Yeah, but they're really no comfortable. Branding. Yeah, but there, I, I found 20 T-shirts that were just as comfortable. I don't know. And, they're uh, really people, soft. Yeah, but they, I mean, All right. you have not done a – All right. That's a separate Guys. podcast about the softest T-shirt. But I, the, uh, I, I think I, I can see people doing that. All right. We've, we've gone significantly over where we normally like yeah. to end these podcasts. But, but I think it was that's a good discussion. That's because this was fun. And I think it was fun, and I think we've solved healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe not. But um, we, we can't get there from here. That's a problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure as soon as this, this podcast comes out, we will be hearing angry comments and emails about, you know, how we don't understand anything that we're talking about. <laughs> but tell us why this is true and also i mean we're, we're talking about this like fantasy society where, where <laughs> about you know where where there's no patents and kaiser invests in drugs but we don't know what other sort of sure w- what other things could happen in that world that would make it so that yeah there are all sorts of other questions yeah, and and exactly. there, there you know i think it's pretty fair to say that there's no simple solution here and and, and we're all sort of staking out slightly exaggerated positions but <laughs> it is an interesting thought process and one that i think is is worth going down and and therefore uh, i certainly enjoyed this conversation <laughs> i don't know if you guys did but I, I no, it's it always fun. enjoyable come on yep anyways uh but that's it for this week uh, thanks guys uh we'll be back next week with something else Bye. Bye. Bye.